It's an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the laws are complicated and constantly changing, the wisest and safest way to keep track of them all is to call elder law attorney Michael Cohen. Having devoted his career to informing and protecting the elderly, Michael communicates about the law in ways that you and your loved ones will surely understand. Join us now to know your legal rights with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here's Michael and Don. Welcome once again to Know Your Legal Rights. I am virtually sitting with my co-host and partner, KWM's Dallas Elder Law Attorney, Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hi, Don. How you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you. I wish we were sitting together like the old days, but that little thing called the pandemic prevents that still to this day. I don't know if we're going to get back to the old days or we're going to continue to do shows from our homes or our offices and not in the same room. Time will tell, but it's gone, I think, pretty well because you've been very current and you've been very on top of everything that's going on, um, including today's topic. Well, I appreciate your saying that. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how you have to adjust to uh, different things. Some things I hope will uh, may become more permanent. I mean, like I like the ideas of uh, the idea of uh, not having to go to court for a uncontested probate. Sometimes uh, on some of these virtual meetings, they, they, these things are pretty good, where you don't have to even leave your own home and you be seeing somebody on a screen and having meetings with people without them having to come to the office. So some things might become more utilized than they are to, were prior to the pandemic. So seems like uh, I'd be a lot more efficient with meeting with uh, your clients that way. You don't have to drive. You don't have to have the wear and tear on the car. You don't get lost. You're not late. Um, it can be really done uh, so much more quickly and expeditiously and maybe thoroughly um, instead of running around, either they coming to you or you going to them. There's some technical difficulties from time to time, but, you know, you know, when you think about, let's say, going to the courthouse and you have somebody, uh, let's say, who's more infirm or has difficulty, let's say, walking or whatever, or they're mm-hmm. older, and then they have to drive downtown to go to the courthouse, park downtown, whereas if you could do a uh, probate by Zoom, then that makes life a lot simpler for everybody, and it's probably more cost-efficient even for the consumer. So I hope that some things that we've learned, and although I miss going to the radio station that we normally do yes. for these shows, uh, uh, maybe some things will be uh, better as a result. In this case, uh, just to give a brief explanation of the show, just before we put it in context of Texas estate laws on when somebody is missing, in this case, the nemesis of this, uh, I guess you could say flamboyant um, uh, zookeeper, private zookeeper, particularly at big cats, like tigers in particular. And that's why he called himself the Tiger King. His name was, he also called himself Joe Exotic. Uh, and he had a nemesis who, they had this big feud, uh, an animal preservationist named, uh, big cats also, uh, named Carol Baskin. So they had this big old dispute between each other that just escalated to the point where uh, now uh, Exotic is in jail for hiring a hitman to kill Baskin. But Baskin 
was no angel herself. Um, she, so as part of the series, uh, it showed that um, her husband, and now this is back in 1997, mysteriously disappeared and hasn't been since August, I think it's August of 1997, around August 18th or so. He hasn't been seen since. And what say, well, gee, what happened? Um, well, there's the allegations of exotic arrival uh, were that she killed her husband and uh, to, to benefit. Uh, her husband uh, at that time, a guy whose last name is Lewis, Don Lewis, um, had an estate of about five to ten million dollars. He had a apparently had uh, a, a different will uh, that was done that he gave to his trusted assistant who had worked for him for many, many years. Uh, and he had given her uh, his will, his power of attorney, even a copy of the restraining order because um, Don Lewis's wife, Carol Baskin now, uh, had threatened to kill him twice. And he had gone to court to try to have a restraining order against her. And according to the show, uh, he had talked to others about have getting a divorce. But before that happened, and also, I should mention, um, the person who he had given this envelope to, uh, his executive assistant, uh, which named, which she said, named her as the executor, that is the executive assistant, and her as the agent under the power of attorney, uh, as well as a copy of the restraining order. She put in her drawer at the office. She worked at the same office. They, uh, Carol and her husband, Don, the one that's now been, been disappeared since 1997, uh, uh, had started this big cat sanctuary. Now, they had also a disagreement uh, in the fact that uh, he was more into profits and she was more a um, animal preservationist. She came across as like a, I guess you'd say an earth mama. And um, the and she has lots of followers, and she, um, it, it, you know, is very popular. And I'm, this is nothing to say about somebody is an animal preservationist or anything like that. The whole idea about this is what happens if something bad happens to somebody and they're missing. Uh, after um, uh, she had, after her husband disappeared, um, it was. It came to, to light that the, uh, the locks had been uh, broken into at the office in the middle of the night, or at least at some point, and that somebody had broken into the desk of the executive assistants and taken the will and the power of attorney. Uh, after he died, uh, Baskin came up with her own will and power of attorney for her former, her now mysteriously disappearing husband. And the will said, of course, the majority of the estate went to her. He had children from a prior marriage, two children, uh, who got 10% of the estate, and she got the bulk of the estate. And she had a power of attorney that said, uh, this power of attorney, now it's typical to have a power of attorney. A power of attorney is a document that says, here's who could take care of my assets during my lifetime if I'm disabled. But she had a provision in that power of attorney that I have never seen. And it said, and it was done just a short time before his disappearance, it said, this power of attorney 
which was also, you could see by the document, said it was prepared by her. It said, this power of attorney is good during my disability or disappearance. Hmm. It's like you contemplated that there would be a disappearance. Hmm. Well, and I've never seen that happen. Nobody, nobody usually expects that somebody's going to disappear, and then shortly thereafter, they disappear. And then there's the question about the restraining orders because there have been two threats to kill him. And quite frankly, Lewis was not, he was a womanizer too. And so mm. there have been um, uh, some, uh, you know, some suspicious circumstances here. And I'm not saying that uh, necessarily that Baskin murdered her husband. I don't know. I'll let people make their own judgments. The question here becomes a legal question is what happens when somebody is missing? And how, what can, what, how does this affect your document? Uh, in particular, a power of attorney and a will and dealing with the estate if somebody is missing, and how would that affect things under Texas law? First of all, um, what happens if the power of attorney, if somebody's missing, is it still good? Well, if you don't know that they're dead, if you don't know if you're dead, then you, the power of attorney is supposed to be good during lifetime. And so at least uh, then that person can act. Oh, and by the way, what happened when he disappeared? She transferred the assets to herself, the majority of the assets. Hmm. So that gets into another question, uh, too. So first of all, if you're, if you're the power, the first question was, is a power good? the power of attorney good if somebody is missing? And the answer is probably yes. However, they do have a duty, an agent, an agent is, in this case, the spouse was the agent, Carol was the agent, Carol Baskin was the agent. Does She, she has a, a fiduciary duty to act in good faith. Who's, who are you supposed to act on behalf of? If you're an agent, your primary responsibility is to the principal. Your primary responsibility is to the principal. So if it's determined that she was acting in good faith, fine. Was it merely coincidental that he disappeared after he signed that power of attorney that she prepared, and then she transferred the assets to herself after the threat of the restraining order and knowing about his other, uh, his womanizing, his other girlfriend? I don't know. Um, now, if she did transfer, is self-dealing allowed under a power of attorney? Can you just transfer assets to yourself? Well, it depends on the document. So the, you have to look at a document and determine, is there authority to transfer assets to yourself? Sometimes you could. A lot of times in public benefits law, we do give uh, dealing with like Medicaid or veterans benefits. A lot of times in those means-tested types of uh, uh, public benefits, we do want to do some transfer planning. But normally... Normally, most powers of attorney do not give the authority to do self-dealing. First of all, but who do you choose as your agent? You should choose somebody somebody you trust. So was there a mistake that, that Don Lewis did in naming his spouse as his agent? Maybe not, but when things started going south, he should have perhaps done a new one. Well, maybe he did, remember? His executive assistant said he gave her a power of attorney that now was disappeared because somebody had broken into her desk at the office and broken into and picked the locks of the gated uh, area of the office and took the power of attorney. What else can he have done? Well, 
a power of attorney could be recorded with the county clerk, at least in Texas. And if you would wanted to do a replication, you could revoke it by put it in the, in the deed records as well. So if he really, if I suppose what they could have done if it were in Texas is recorded the power of attorney. Normally, a power of attorney does not have to be recorded unless you're dealing with real estate. Uh, and here, they could have recorded the power of attorney and done a recording the revocation. So then it'd be a matter of public records so the world would know. In this case, it wasn't recorded. And so when it was just when the power of attorney was missing, nobody knows. We don't mm-hmm. know if it, which one was done last. So anyway, getting back to self-care, can you transfer assets to yourself? The answer is, well, it depends on the document. Normally the answer is no, because you have a duty to the principal, the person who signed it. You shouldn't be taking away assets. It's supposed to be, you know, remember, a power of attorney, even to have mental capacity to sign a power of attorney, it's actually the level of capacity needed for that is greater than that of a will. There's different levels of capacity we've talked about on prior shows. The reason is because we think it's important to take care of that person during lifetime. So, uh, so normally there's there's cases that if you, in fact if you take money for yourself and it's not permitted, it could even be a criminal act. The more you take, the bigger the crime under Texas law. Wow, so unbelievable story. Yeah, and we, and we haven't even started talking about what happens with a, with a will. So maybe we'll talk about that in just a minute. Yeah, let's do that. Let's first talk about your next workshop, because once again, here's another fascinating story that will likely surprise many people, and it can get so complicated in detail and so sinister. At the same time, it appears, although nothing's been proven, and this woman walks freely as if nothing happened, is my understanding. But Michael, who has specialized in estate planning for decades now, does everything he possibly can to ensure things like this never happened to you or yours while you are alive or after um, you pass away. Um, To ensure it doesn't, you should attend his next virtual online workshop, which is coming up Saturday, June the 13th at 10 o'clock in the morning. And it's a workshop that you can enjoy from the confines of your own home, on your living room couch, uh, wherever you like, and engage in these workshops as if you were attending those uh, in Dallas that he's been holding for years and do what everybody else does each workshop and ask a particular question about your individual circumstances that Michael will um, most likely not only attempt to answer but successfully answer and steer you in a certain direction um, so that you have more information and a better education about your concerns And hopefully, after those two hours, you'll realize you need to meet with him in person and privately to get more answers. Is that about right, Michael? Yeah, we actually uh, ask, uh, what is it that you want to know? It's a free educational estate planning or Medicaid or veterans benefits planning workshop. It's whatever. We we never know what questions that people are going to ask. And so each workshop is different. We just simply ask, what do you want to know? And in those two hours of we just answer the questions that people might have. Uh, if it's, there's no obligation, of course, and then, uh, to have another meeting, if you wanted to have another meeting, we do give that option available uh, to you only if you do attend the next free estate planning essentials workshop, which is going to be on Saturday, June 13th at 10 o'clock. Uh, if you do want to go to that free estate planning essentials workshop, the last one we had to, we had to cut off things because we had uh, too many people that wanted to be 
we want to make sure it's private enough, uh, low enough of uh, amount of people on the meeting uh, that everybody gets their questions answered. So um, to sign up, all you have to do is call 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. Or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. And, you know, if you do, uh, not only uh, do you get the two free hours of estate planning questions that you might either you have or you can listen to the questions that others might have and see how that may relate to you. Uh, and if you do that again, uh, we also give a free hour vision meeting where we could talk and it could either be by phone uh, or it could be virtual. Uh, I don't know when we'll be reopening the offices. We're waiting for the um, pandemic to subside a little bit more. Uh, we're just going to wait on the science as they say. Um, but uh, whatever it is, when we, even if we do reopen the office, of course, it would be under the safest of conditions. Uh, as far as the workshop goes, we make it where it's very easy. It's just a matter of a click. And, then, and we give instructions, even have, we just make it simple for people so that they can feel free in this new age of uh, the way things are now, uh, that just a simple click and, and we go through that spend a lot of time with each individual if they have some issues on how to do that. So it's not anything to it, and all you have to do is call that 214-720-0102 number or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com if you want to go to that free Estate Planning Essentials workshop and have a free meeting after that if so desired. It's June the 13th, which is a Saturday at 10 o'clock. You ask yourself, goodness, an attorney giving me three free hours? What's the catch? Well, there really isn't a catch. Michael's been doing this so long that um, he is confident, based on his track record and successes, that uh, many people that attend the workshop will want to utilize his services and hire him to create a new estate plan for them uh, or help them with government assistance. If everything was fine, I'm going to tell you you're fine. If everything is not fine, I'm going to tell you what or what something is missing. I'm going to tell you what's missing. And I really, at this stage, I, I tell people I'm an elder, elder law attorney. At this point, it really, even if it's just free education, that's fine. I want people to be at least have the knowledge to see whatever it is, what their situation might be, and if there's something that they can do to better protect their family, um, or perhaps it, a lot of people think about protecting their assets, but we think it's most important to protect your family. But whatever it may be, at least you know what your situation is without any obligation. That's all. And that's great. So he's, he really is um, out to help mankind. He has uh, only these altruistic and good-hearted values to help an individual. And um, if, if you need more help, every plan that he looks at, needs some kind of work and updating and changes because so many things change in our lives, legislation, new laws, yeah. uh, relationships. Uh, Mike, Michael can go down the list of 150 things that will change right. that would make you want to change your will, your, your overall state plan. So speaking of wills, um, you want to address wills and the story you're telling us about in the last five minutes. So let's say you have a will and she named herself as executor. First of all, how long do you have to wait 
before somebody's presumed dead. Uh, can you can she be removed as the executor? Well, if she had gross misconduct, then and she gates a benefit at expense of the uh, of others, she has a fiduciary duty. Mm. So there would her self dealing, then that could be a problem. So she could be removed as an executor. What if she's found guilty or just even suspected of death of her husband? Um, there's a thing called the Slater statute, like on for insurance. You can't benefit if you kill somebody. And even if you're uh, just merely suspected of murder, a murder conviction is not required. Do you remember the O.J. Simpson case? Sure. O.J. Simpson, he was not convicted of murder, but he did get a, a civil judgment against him uh, for the murder of uh, his wife and uh, Ron Goldman. So uh, similarly, Texas has a similar law. If that were the case, you cannot benefit from hmm. the killing of somebody. Well. There have to be a conviction for murder. And now, what grounds could there be for challenging the will? In this case, she said her husband um, may have had some dementia. That's why he disappeared. But if that's the case, why did she have him sign a will? Was she right. with him then? Did she have undue influence? If she threatened to kill him, was it done under duress? So mm. there's different equitable arguments that could be made where that the will might be not good. By the way, when the daughters of, uh, of Mr. Lewis uh, complained, she wrote to them or le- left a message, you better shut up or else. Hmm. I'm going to give you holy grief. And hmm. they said, we are afraid of her. Yeah. She comes across as this really nice lady who's an animal preservationist, but we don't know if there's a tiger inside of her. All right. When is there a presumption of death under Texas law? In Florida, where this case took place, uh, it was um, uh, five years. But in Texas, it's seven years to be presumed dead under Texas law. Uh, she waited for five years and one day, and on five years and one day, she uh, applied to probate the will. And then she didn't have any the show showed that she had no funeral or anything like that. She just transferred the assets mostly to herself. Uh, and, of course, Baskin... Uh, got millions from her husband. And so she was able to have all the funds in her name. She, By the way, she didn't have anything um, when she got married to him. He was the one who had made funds. Um, and um, he. they also had a dispute on the, the direction of the, um, the place that they had their big cats. Uh, he wanted to be more, in, he was more into profits and she was more into an animal sanctuary which caused a lot of arguments as well, uh, prior to his mysterious disappearance, uh, which we have not seen from him since. Um, so in, under Texas law, gee, can you probate even if you didn't have to wait for the seven years? Uh, the answer is, even if there's no direct proof that a person has died, the court may order an interest of... They may have to have, have a search, like you might get a private investigator... Uh, and then the search cost might be a part of the estate, but you don't have to wait the seven years. So you can probate a will, even if somebody is really missing. You just have to go to whatever the court satisfaction that the person is dead. So it's um, uh, there was a case in Texas that we saw uh, that uh, where somebody even probated the will four years later. Um, so even though she may have never been charged with a crime, um, it, the will, if it were in Texas, there could have been a probate sooner. Uh, 
Uh, now there, but there's lots of different issues here, as you can see. So, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, here is there's so many different suspicious circumstances. We don't know what the what the true story is. We don't know the if uh, if she is guilty of murder. She wrote or. Uh, how to get away with murder, as I said, uh, alluding to different TV shows. Um, the but there does present itself with a lot of different legal issues. Um, I don't know. You know, it's it just it's, to me it was interesting under Texas law how would things apply? Uh, you know, especially with regards to the power of attorney and the will. Uh, how do you? I'm not personally. Have I ever seen this? Have I ever had a situation where somebody was missing? No. <laughs> the answer is well, I've been doing things for decades. I've never had a person where somebody was missing uh, where we probated a will. I never had somebody in a power of attorney say disappearance as if you were anticipating somebody would disappear. Uh, but it's an interesting concept. Um, <laughs> the, so we hear we had a lot of unusual situations under Texas law, though. She could have had a lot of different issues. We don't know if that will would have been good. We don't know uh, if she should have been able to permit by transferring assets to herself. We don't know uh, if, you know, because uh, if, if she should have even been named as executor. This okay. is the reason why we have these programs, and I love when Michael culminates each one with specific Texas law so that it applies to our KWM listeners and they can realize that he is, is seriously on top of the laws, and this is his passion and what he's been doing for all these years and why you need to attend his next workshop, which, again, is Saturday, June the 13th at 10 o'clock. It's a virtual online workshop. In order to sign up for that, you just simply dial 214-720-0102, 214-720-0102. Go to com. Dallas Elder Lawyer, Michael Cohen. Thank you, sir. A leading estate planner practicing law in Dallas, Texas for decades now, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the estate planning laws that can affect your family and you. The first step is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com to sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214 214- 720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on 770-KAAM for six years, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate and complete what could currently be a deficient estate plan. Make sure it is done your way and sign up for his next workshop today 214-720-0102.